0: Kings, 2 Kings, 2nd Kings 19, 2 Kings chapter 19. If you're just joining us again, welcome. Glad you're here. I'm Brian the pastor and glad you wanted to worship with us today. We're normally in a series on Acts or the actions of the disciples in the New Testament and uh, we're taking a pause from that for the last several weeks and we'll continue to do so probably for the next weeks ahead, uh, just to focus on mainly three things, the presence of God, prayer, and what worship really is, and so those are things we've been talking about, and if you have been with us, we're glad, Um, and if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about a guy named Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, and uh, in fact, just this week in the news, if you've been paying attention, they found some coins in the Temple Mount in Jerusalem that were impressed or stamped with his seal as a king. And um, in fact, the Bible says a lot of times we say that King David in the Old Testament was the greatest king that Israel had, but the Bible says that there was none like King Hezekiah before, which would include David, or after, so kind of interesting stuff, but anyway, we've been talking about him, we're going to talk about him again this week. As you're turning to 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 10 through 20 is what we will look at, the title of the message is Lay It Down, Lay It Down. I'm honored today because my parents, my mom and dad are here, Troy and Sandra, and give us a wave, there we go, and we're glad they're here, and we uh, going to celebrate uh, Christmas uh, today since we're not able to go home this year, but uh, glad that they're here, had a great time yesterday doing great things, and as you have kids in life, I understand that your parents no longer come to see you, they come to see your grandkids, or uh, the grandkids, so um, You can see where my wife and I are on the pecking order, but that's okay. That's uh, something for another time. Hey, once you've turned to 2 Kings chapter 19, stand and we'll read God's word together. 2 Kings chapter 19 in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 19, verse 10. Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you By promising that Jerusalem will be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the king of Assyria has done to all the lands, devoting themselves to destruction. And will you too be delivered? Have you not heard the gods of these other nations delivered them, the nations that my fathers destroyed? And he goes on to list these nations and these kings. Verse 14, skip down. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O God, the God of Israel enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria have laid waste to the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. But they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. Look at verse 19. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Verse 20. The son of Amaz sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is alive, that is active. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would arrest our attention, that you would open up our ears and our hearts to receive your word with joy, that we wouldn't just go through your word, but it would go through us, that your word would shape us and mold us, as David said, so that we would know your ways, that we would honor you that your word would be planted firmly in our heart. We would receive it with joy today to produce fruit that is pleasing to you. We'd be encouraged by your word today. We thank you. We give this service to you. We ask that you would anoint these lips of clay and flesh, that they would be your words and not mine. We thank you, and truly, we're nothing without you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Lay it down. I want to give you some brief background to what's going on here. We jumped... Uh, literally in the middle of a conversation. But if you were to go back, and for time's sake, we don't have time to look at all this, but I encourage you to, to do this, and you can write this down and look at it. In chapter 18, the previous chapter, verses 13 through 16, Hezekiah makes a costly mistake because the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, comes to him and says, I will utterly destroy you like I have done to all the other nations around, all your neighbors I have destroyed. No one can withstand my army. I've got the best army in the world, and he did at that time. No one can stop me, and so in order to appease me, you can give me money and basically a payoff or a bribe, and I'll leave you alone. Hezekiah makes a costly mistake and he listens to the king of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. He doesn't pray to God. He doesn't seek the face of God. He goes to the house of God and the Bible says in chapter 18 that he literally rips the doorpost and the frame that were, that were laid with gold and silver and costly gems and jewels. He takes the treasures from the house of God. He steals from God, literally, takes it from the house of God, his, his country's treasure and gives it as a peace offering or a bribe really to pay off Sennacherib king of Assyria so that he won't attack them. Well being basically like a gangster that the king of Sennacherib king of Assyria was he he takes the bribe and he says too late I'm going to attack you anyway thanks for all the money thanks for the payoff not good enough I'm going to attack you anyway. So then uh, King uh, Hezekiah goes and he gets Isaiah, And he says, Isaiah, go to God and pray on our behalf. We need to know what to do. So notice first, he, tar- he tries to solve the problem on his own without prayer. And it really blows up in his face. Anytime that you try to solve your problems of life, whether it's your marriage or your job or your kids or your finances, anytime you try to solve it on your own without prayer, it will blow up and backfire in your face. How do you know that? Because I've done it. I've been there and I've done it I still have some scars where the blow-up has singed my eyebrows at times some of you can relate to that that there's a problem in your life and your first instinct instead of prayer and seeking God is to here I can fix it there's a crisis coming I can fix it on my own you think you can fix it with the money that you have can't it doesn't work you can't fix it So then the next time that the problem, it's getting worse now, it's encroaching more on your life. So now what you do is you go to the pastor. Hey, pastor and elders, would you pray for me? I I need an end with God here because, man, I've really screwed up and boy, things are getting worse and I need your help. I need to know what to do. And the pastor being a good guy that he is, he says, okay, and he goes and he prays. That's what Isaiah did again in chapter 19, verses one through two. Hezekiah goes to the man of God, Isaiah, and says, pray to God on my behalf. And I'm setting this up. I want you to pay attention. First, he tries to solve it on his own in chapter 18. Beginning of chapter 19, he wises up and goes to the man of God, the pastor, and says, pray for my behalf. And then verse 19, finally, in chapter 19, verses 10 through 13, which is what we read, the enemy comes and he says, it's not going to work. You can try, you try to pay me off, it doesn't work. You try to ask the pastor to pray for you on your behalf, it doesn't work. Too bad. I'm coming and you can't stop me. Hey, and and notice what King uh, Sennacherib said, King of Assyria. He lists all these nations and all these other kings, literally, that surrounded the nation of Israel. And he said, you remember this king? He's dead now because we killed him. You remember their God? Their God was destroyed now. In fact, their people worship me. They worship our gods nothing can stop me and notice what he says at verse 10 that what we read thus you shall speak to hezekiah king of judah this is sennacherib in a written statement that he gives do not let your god in whom you deceive trust you and whom you trust deceive you by promising that jerusalem will be giving into the hand of the king of assyria think about this how many times in your life has the enemy, has the devil, has Satan used other people or situations to say that very thing to you? Listen, I know that the Christian thing to do, I know what you've been taught to do as a Christian is to pray, but don't let your faith deceive you because this problem is so big. Cancer is so prevalent in your body that not even prayer can stop it. I mean, it's just a negative report all the way around. Are you going to believe your, your hocus pocus faith or are you going to believe a doctor, science and medicine? Some of you have had to face those challenges. Are you going to believe what the bank is telling you, what your financial advisors are telling you? Are you going to believe in in this ooey-gooey faith stuff, in prayer? Hey, you remember your cousin a few weeks ago? They died of cancer. What makes you think you're any different? You remember your friend, your coworker? they got fired, and you're next. Company's downsizing. You're next. Has the enemy ever tried to tell you that? I mean, think about this. He gets it in written form that says, do not let God in whom you trust deceive you and think that he can save you because he can't. Nobody can deliver you out of my hand. I'm so big and bad and powerful. Has the problems of your life felt like they're so big, bad and powerful that you're helpless? There's nothing you can do? I mean, they pose themselves to you that way? You can pray all day. You can fast. You can do a prayer chain. You can read all the Bible you want, but this problem is so big, it's so bad, it's coming on so fast that no amount of prayer can stop it. So you know what? You might as well just give in. You might as well just surrender because it'd be easier for you to surrender to the enemy than to put up a fight of faith and prayer. This was the exact situation Hezekiah is faced with. It'd be easier for you, Hezekiah, to surrender to me, the king of Assyria, than to pray. Because you know what? Hezekiah, you can pray all day and all night. You can pray till you're blue in the face. You have no words left. I'm still coming. I'm still going to dominate. I'm still going to destroy you. Nothing can save you, not even your God. How did the king of Assyria know that? Because up to this point, no other God but any other nation, no other army, no other king has been able to stop him. And the king of Assyria's mind, Sennacherib, listen, I've faced a bunch of other false gods. i faced all these other gods before. Nothing can stop me. I'm so powerful. All these other gods of these other nations worship, they're no match for me. Maybe the enemy's telling you that. Your situation's so big and so bad, it's no match for the force that I am. It's no match for the negative report that you got this week or last week or last month. It's no, no match for the problem that you're facing in life. Not only that, and, and I really encourage you to read eight, chapter 18 towards the end because what happens, and, and if we had time we would read it, but what happens is just astounding. Because this is what we read the second letter that Hezekiah got. The first report, they had the walls of Jerusalem. If you look at pictures of Jerusalem, you can see the old walls. Those aren't the exact walls that are built on them, but you get the idea. The walls of this castle and they come to the walls of the castle, and the Bible says in chapter 18 that the whole city is literally standing on the wall, and they see the messenger of the king of Assyria come forward, and he stands, and he says out loud, all of you people will be destroyed unless you give in and give up, because your God can't save you from my king's mighty hand. And then one of the royal advisors to King Hezekiah says, hey, would you please not embarrass us. Would you please not speak in our native tongue so that everybody can understand you? He says, tough luck, too late. I'm going to speak so that everybody can know. You can pray, you can hope that your king can save you, but he can't. I've got all your money already. He tried to solve it with money. That didn't work. I'm going to destroy you. It's utterly embarrassing. The enemy of your life does everything he can to embarrass and destroy. But finally... Again, remember, the same problem. King of Assyria, Sennacherib comes. The first thing Hezekiah tries to do is to pay him off. He tries to solve it on his own. The second thing he does, because the problem doesn't go away, it gets worse every time you try to fix it on your own. But the second thing that he does, he goes to the pastor in the church Hey, would you pray for us? Would you help us out? Finally, he realizes, forget that, Jack. I just better go to God myself. I better go to God on my own. And that's exactly what he does in verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers, and he read it. And Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord and did what? Spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. He received the negative news. He's not going to buy it off this time because that made it worse. He's not going to call on the priest or or the, the prophet to pray he's going to go to God directly and pray. The code red crisis of his life, DEFCON 5, is so bad, it's so big, it's so negative that he's not going to ask other people to pray. He's tried that he's going to go to God directly and pray. The Bible says in the New Testament in Hebrews that Jesus is our intercessor and that now because of Christ we can go to God directly. You don't need a priest, you don't need a pastor, but you because of the blood of Christ can go to Jesus directly yourself anywhere anytime and do exactly that spread your problem before God that's what Christ has done threats of crisis from the enemy have you ever faced the enemies threatening you Hezekiah gets the letter this isn't the actual letter so don't think I've stole something from a museum somewhere it wouldn't survive thousands of years of history. He gets the letter. It's a negative letter. It's a letter of crisis. Hezekiah, nothing you can do to stop it. Some of you are sitting there this morning and realize that the enemy is doing that very thing to you, saying nothing you can do to stop it. You can try, you can give me money, you can ask other people to help, you can do all you can, but nothing can stop it. It's a threat of the enemy in your life. Crisis is coming. Hezekiah does what all of us should do. He goes to the house of God and you don't have to come to the church to pray. You know that. But Hezekiah comes to the temple. He takes the letter of the enemy, the letter that threatens to destroy him, the letter that threatens to wipe out his family, wipe out his kingdom, wipe out his people, wipe them off the face of the earth. He takes the letter. And after trying to do it himself, after asking other people, finally, he himself comes to the presence of God. He takes it and he spreads the letter out he says God do you see this and he spreads it out before the Lord do you see this God this is a threat of the enemy and there's nothing I can do except for pray and call out to you God would you hear me God would you see this threat and would you answer and deliver and save us there's nothing more I can do he takes the negative report when you get a negative report of the enemy, a doctor's report or a financial report or a, whatever it is, you take that problem, you take the negative report of the enemy, you take the threat of the enemy and you bring it to the cross and you lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, Father, do you see this? I am helpless. I need you. God, I cry out to you. Would you see and hear and answer and save? This is what Hezekiah does. For some of you, Maybe it's a report. Maybe it's not written down like that, but it's negative news. Threats of crisis from the enemy. The second thing we want to look at in verses 14 through 19 is, you need to lay it down so he can pick it up. You need to lay that threat of the enemy down so God can pick it up. Verses 14 through 19, Hezekiah received the letter, the hand of the messengers, and read it. Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O oh God, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubims, You are God, You alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone have made heaven and earth. Now, God, incline Your ear and hear. Open Your eyes and see. See the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock you. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria have laid waste to the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, but they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O God, save us, please, from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Notice what he says. He takes the negative report of the enemy. He comes... He takes it. He reads it. He slays it before God, spreads it before Him in God's presence. He says, God, do you see this? God, there's nothing we can do. Now, God, would you save us? Not for our glory, not to save our own skin, but God, save us for your glory. Why? So that every other king and every other kingdom and nation would know that there is a real God and he's not made of wood. He's not made of stone. He's not a God of a bank account. He's not a God of your career ladder. He's not a God of your health, but he is the living God, the real deal, not an imitation. All these other gods were rightfully destroyed because they're a cheap imitation. They're counterfeit of the real thing and only you are the living God. Would you save us for your sake and for your glory? He takes it and he lays it down so that God would pick it up. You got to lay your issue down so that God picks it up. And some of you wonder why God hasn't met your need, why God hasn't answered your prayer. I would just lovingly and humbly suggest to you as your pastor that perhaps. God hasn't answered your prayer, because what you're trying to do is say, God, I've got the negative report, I've got the negativity of the enemy, the crisis of the enemy, and and God, I hope that you'll see it, I hope that you'll answer, and and you have a little bit of faith, and and God, I'll give it to you. And by Monday, uh, after you had a great service on Sunday, but Monday morning, you pick the letter of the enemy back up, and you keep going throughout your weekly routine. And then next Sunday comes along and you do the same thing and you say, God, it's a code red crisis. God, I've got to have your help. God, would you see it? Would you save me? And at the end of church, instead of leaving it there, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there, the old song says, you pick it back up and you're carrying it. Maybe the reason God hasn't answered your prayer or delivered you is because you're still holding on to what he needs to be holding on to you got to understand, there are some problems that you and I face that are so big, only God can deliver. Only God is the answer. Only God can save. Jesus said that if you remember in the Gospels to the disciples. The disciples tried to cast out some demons and they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, hey, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. In other words, you can try all day long, but this just has to be a God thing. This just has to be God divinely on his own answering this need and meeting the need. You've got to understand, there are some problems so big that only he can fix. There's four parts to his prayer if you want to look real quick and the first one is he says God you alone are God over all the earth you created the earth that's what we sang about today that's what the word of the Lord was earlier this morning God you alone not my money not my friends not what the doctor tells me not what my career tells me no God you alone are God God would you see and hear the negative report against me the third thing is notice this this is interesting Verse 17, he admits, he acknowledges, God, part of their negative report is true. He's not in denial. Verse 17, he says, God, it is true. They have destroyed other nations. But God, those were false gods. You're the real deal. They're counterfeit. You're the real thing. Sometimes we do have to acknowledge that yes the doctor told me it is cancer or yes I, I am facing a negative situation I'm not in denial however what is different what defines this situation from other situations is that I acknowledge that he is God alone not anything that I can do to fix it the fourth part of his prayer save me O God for your glory so that all will know you alone are the real deal if you remember a few weeks ago when we talked about King Jehoshaphat in, in Chronicles. He says the very thing and it's become kind of my theme the last few months and several weeks that God, our, we are helpless. We don't know what to do but our eyes are on you. When you face these critical threats of the enemy that's the prayer that you have to have. God we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you. Save us God for your glory. Some of you might come and maybe it's it's your finances. God, we've got, a, we've got a, a bill here that we don't have enough money to pay this bill. It's so critical, God. We don't know where to turn. We can't get a loan. We can't ask for money. God, we need your help. We've got this bill, and, and, and our bank account is dwindling, and, and God, we've tried to fix it on our own, but God, we need your help. You take your bill, you take your finances, you take your checkbook and you lay it down at his feet. You spread it out before him. Oh God, would you see this? God, would you hear my prayer? And God, would you save me? Maybe it's not your finances, but it's that report from the doctor that you've been dreading for the last couple of weeks. The test results have come back and you're a little nervous, you're a little scared, you've done what the doctors have told you, you've cut your, your, uh, your eating habits, you've taken the medicine, but you're still nervous. You're still holding on to it. What you need to do today, before you leave, before you walk out, is take it, and God, I got the negative, I got the report. And I'm not sure what it says, but Lord, I don't know where to turn, but my eyes are on you, as King Jehoshaphat said, as King Isaiah said. Lord, it's on you. I lay it down at your feet. Whatever the doctor says, Lord, I'm believing in the report of the Lord. I'm believing that I'm healed. I'm believing that you've touched my body. Father, I trust in you. Would you see this and save? Maybe, especially this time of year, it's a pink slip from your place of work. You've worked there for years and years. You're a good employee. You've tried hard. At the end of work, one day, the boss pulls you aside and gives you an envelope like this. You pull it out, notice of termination on it. What are you going to do now for Christmas? What are you going to do to pay those bills? What are you going to do to make ends meet? You've had to make cutbacks. God, I've been faithful to you. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know where my next job is gonna come from, but Lord, I know it's gonna come from you. I trust in you. I don't know when, I don't know where, but Lord, I'm taking my firing, my notice of termination, being laid off. Lord, the cutbacks in my salary, and I lay it at your feet. Do you see this, oh God? Would you hear and would you save? Maybe it's your marriage, You've worked hard. You've been faithful. And all of a sudden, somebody knocks on your door and you've been served divorce papers. You're in separation. Your marriage is on the rocks. And those rocks are covered in moss, so it's really slippery. And you're not sure what's going to happen. You thought things were getting better, but they're getting worse. You're doing what you can. God, it's our marriage. And God, unless you do something, God, unless you see, unless you hear, our marriage is over. And God, I lay it at your feet. I don't know what to do. God, I've tried to fix it. We've tried counseling. We've tried reading books. And, and we have went to seminars. But God, it's up to you. God, we need you. And I lay my marriage at your feet. I spread it out before you so that you can see and you can hear. Maybe... It's your kids, your family. You've got a great wife. You've been a great parent. You've done all the right things. You raised your kids in a Christian home. But your kids are so far from God. You need to know today, they're not, God's not far from them. But they're far from Him. They're running as fast as they can in the other direction. You take that. God, it's my kids. I've I raised them to love you and to serve you and to fear you. God, I've done all I can do. But God, it's my kids. It's my babies that you gave me. And Lord, I give them back to you. I dedicated them to you when they were kids. God, it's my family. It's my kids. I lay them, Lord, at your feet. God, would you save my kids? Would you do whatever it takes to get their attention? Lord, don't forsake them. Hear their cry, Lord. Hear my cry and save them. Rescue my kids. Lord, not just for my sake, but for your glory. You have to lay it down so he can pick it up. He can't pick it up as long as you're holding on to it. God's not going to fight you for control of your problems. God will not fight you for control of your issues. You either give it to him and you let it go, or you keep holding on to it, you keep struggling, and guess what? That ship is going to keep sinking. You're on the Titanic, one-way ticket down. The only lifeboat that you have, the only salvation on the horizon is laying it down at the feet of God, at the feet of Christ and saying, oh God, it's desperate. It's a code red crisis. You've got to do something. Would you see this? Would you hear? And would you save? If you remember in our study in Acts several weeks ago when we began Acts chapter 4, which is you know, one of my favorite chapters as well, but the apostles where Peter and John were arrested for preaching about Jesus, and they were beaten up within an inch of their life. They were thrown in jail, and the next day at their trial, they're threatened by the enemy, which was religious people. Sometimes religious people are the worst enemy of all, but they're threatened with the religious people to say, quit talking about Jesus, or that's it for you. We'll kill you. The disciples do this exact same thing. It's not an Old Testament concept. It's a New Testament concept as well. The disciples come in Acts chapter 4, if you remember, and they say, God, see the threats. See the threats before us. We're trying to preach your name. We're trying to be faithful to you. We're preaching the truth of Scripture. We're not caving in to what culture says is acceptable or unacceptable. We're preaching the uncompromising truth of you. And so, Father, would you see the threats of the enemy and save us and deliver us?" Acts chapter 4. Some of you, the beat of your heart in prayer is, God, I have a need and I need you to meet it. I need you to meet it because if you don't, it's all over. I've tried it on my own. I've turned to my Christian friends. God, I need you to meet it. Would you see it? Would you hear? And would you save? I have a need. I need you to meet it. I got good news for you. He hears. And when God hears and He answers, and you've been faithful to Him, and you really lay it down once and for all, and you let Him pick it up, when God gives an answer, it's an answer of victory. It's not an answer of, well, tough luck. Too bad. I want you to think about this. The grace of God is just so overwhelming. It's so above and beyond. Because think about this. King Hezekiah, the guy we're talking about in chapter 18, stole from God. He literally took the offering money, all the savings account that the church had, and he went and gave it to the enemy to buy him off. And now the next day, He comes before God directly. He doesn't need a priest this time. He comes before God on his own. He kind of breaks protocol, by the way, in the Old Testament because the king wasn't supposed to go in, only the priest. But he goes in, he says, this is a code red crisis. God's got to do something. And he lays it out before God. The God that you and I serve, that you were just singing about and worshiping and praying to... You need to know He's a God, no matter how bad you messed it up last week, no matter how bad you wrecked the vehicle of your life, no matter how bad you messed up that situation, He is a God that His grace is overwhelming. It's overflowing in your life. That verse 20 says this, Then Isaiah, the son of Amoz, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have. And he goes on for several verses to give the answer. It's an amazing, amazing testimony. Hezekiah, a guy who just a couple of days ago stole from God. That's as bad bad as you can get. And yet because of God's grace that I can't explain to you, that doesn't even make sense to me, but because of his love and because of his grace, Hezekiah, I know you messed up. I know you stole from me. I know you shouldn't have done that. But Hezekiah, I want you to know I have seen what you laid before me, and I'm gonna give you an answer. Hezekiah, not only have I seen the problem, not only have I seen the threat of the enemy, I've heard it, and I'm gonna give you an answer. And it's an answer of victory. It's not an answer of tough luck, Hezekiah, You messed up a couple days ago, strike one, two, three, you're out. I know you messed up, but I still love you. I still love my people, Israel. And because of your prayer, that it's not for your glory as the king, but it's for my glory as king of the universe, I'll answer, and I'll deliver, and I'll save. And God does. God doesn't just answer your cry. He answers with victory he answers with hope he answers with salvation he answers with victory the answer is for God's glory in our life in the middle of our mess think about how many times in your life Hezekiah in this situation he's got a mess to begin with and you know what he does he makes it worse he steals from God How many times in your life and my life have we faced a mess, hopelessness, and we make it worse? And finally, when you and I wise up, I should have been praying about it all along, God. I'm sorry. So now, God, you're kind of my last-ditch hope. You're my last-ditch effort. And so, Lord, I'm going to lay it before you. God doesn't say, too bad, tough luck. You should have tried that a couple months ago. He answers with victory. The answer is for God's glory in our life, even in the middle of the mess that we made of it and in the middle of the threats of the enemy. God hears and he answers your prayers. I want you to think about this. Remember in chapter 19, the first two verses, what Hezekiah does? He says, summon the prophet Isaiah, the man of God, the pastor, and I'm going to have him go before God on my behalf and pray. God doesn't necessarily answer at that moment. He he gives a word of encouragement. But God answers when Hezekiah himself goes before God, lays it out, and so that God can pick it up, then God answers and God gives victory. Sometimes, and I'm not in telling you not to, to talk to other people about your situations or pray. No, the scripture says we should lift one another up in our, in our prayers. But sometimes you gotta understand when you lay it down before him and you've tried other issues and other places to resolve it, finally, when you and I wise up and we've made the situation worse because we've tried to fix it ourselves, we lay it down before him. God answers in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the threats of the enemy for his glory in our life. You can ask other people to pray, and we encourage you to do that. That's very biblical. But there's a difference between asking other people to pray for your situation and you not saying a word to the Lord about it. That's wrong. When you call other people and say, would you pray, would you pray, would you pray, and you're not praying yourself? No. Why would God answer that? Notice, God answers when Hezekiah himself, he doesn't send a prophet, he doesn't send the pastor, but Hezekiah comes boldly, Hebrews says in the New Testament, boldly before the throne of grace to make intercession. God answers when Hezekiah himself comes before the presence of God. Matt can come back and begin to play threats of crisis from the enemy. You've got to lay it down so he can pick it up And you need to understand, he hears and he answers with victory. The answer that's coming in your life and in my life and your crisis and my crisis and your situation that just to be honest, you've made it worse, maybe I've made it worse. The answer that's coming is an answer of victory. But it's only, and it is only, when you yourself go before the presence of God and when you yourself lay it down once and for all and let him pick it up. Then the answer will come. What I've asked our, our ushers or elders to do today, I, I cut up some small pieces of paper this week. And what I'd like for you to do is, if you're comfortable and, and if you've got a crisis in your life, you don't care whether you're comfortable or not, you just care about the answer. So what I've asked our, our elders are going to do, our ushers are going to do, they're going to pass out these pieces of paper to everybody. And I want you to write down, I want you to do what we just read about. You're not just hearing the word of God, you're making your feet go with it. You're putting your faith behind your hearing the word of God. You've heard it, now you're gonna put it to, to application in your life. What I'd like for you to do is write down as they pass this out, whatever the code red crisis of your life is. Hey, whatever the threat of crisis from the enemy that you've been facing, that you've been trying to fight on your own, that you've been trying to settle, you've been trying to resolve, and you've been trying to fix on your own, and every time you try to fix it, it gets worse and worse today that stops and today I want you to write it down whatever it is and at the end of the service you're going to come up and you're going to lay it down at the feet of Jesus lay it at his feet if you need pens you can pass it to your neighbor They'll, our ushers will give you pens we got plenty of them I want you to write it down hey if it's your marriage you need to get your spouse and you need to hold on to that piece of paper together and write that you can fold it up and I'm not going to read them so don't worry about it. As soon as we're done, I'm going I'm to dispose of them. Maybe you say, well, I don't want to do it here and, and I, I would encourage you to do that because if you're desperate, you're desperate. But maybe you want to do it at home. But the idea is you lay it down and when you walk out those doors and you're done today, God, I've laid it down at your feet. I've let go. I've laid it down, I've let go and I'm going to let you pick it up. I'm not going to pick it up at 8 o'clock tonight. I'm not going to pick it up tomorrow morning when I go to work or this Wednesday when I go to the doctor's office. I'm not going to pick it up at my big meeting this week. No, no, no. I laid it down Sunday morning and I'm not picking it back up because you've got a hold of it. And God, if you've got a hold of it, I can't have it. God, you're not going to fight me for control of my problems. So God, I give it to you once and for all. Whatever the threat of crisis from the enemy is in your life, you write down. Maybe it's more than one thing, front and back, your kids, your job, your finances, your marriage, your health, you write it down. What I want you to do is, in a few moments when I pray, you come up and you lay it down. You're not going to pick it back up. You're going to lay it down once and for all. And when you lay it down, what I'd like for you to do is, God, do you see this? God, do you hear this? It's the threat of the enemy in my life. And I lay it down at your feet and I let go. I let go. and I believe it's a matter of time before that answer comes because you need to know, you need to know. As soon as you lay it down, whatever you're writing down on that piece of paper, as soon as you lay it down, he hears, he hears. And the answer is coming, and it's an answer of victory. Yeah, but I've really made a mess of it this time. I have really just, just blown up the problem this time. Is your problem any worse than what Hezekiah did? I mean, have you stole millions of dollars potentially from God? Try to fix it on your own? And even if you have, he's a God of grace, a God of mercy. Well, I don't deserve that. I, I'm not good enough for that. Yeah, that's exactly right. But because of the blood of Christ, you are. Because of his love for you, you are. As soon as you lay it down, God, you're going to have that prayer. Here's the threat of the enemy. See this, O Lord. Hear it, and would you answer? And I lay it down. Whatever the answer is, I accept it as your will. I have faith, Lord, that you're going to make this work out. Father, according to your will, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. as I pray, if you want to just begin to do that, you can come as a family. You can come by yourself. You can stay up here as long as you want. We're not in a hurry today. The Steelers don't play till 8 o'clock. You've got plenty of time. But as I pray, if you want to come, you can kneel at the altars. You can pray with your family. You can lay it down, go back to your seat and pray. Threat of crisis from the enemy. You're going to lay it down so he can pick it up. And he hears, and he's going to answer with victory. As I pray, come. Father, we thank you for your presence today. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's a word of encouragement. It's a word of hope. It's a word of healing. It's a word of victory. No matter how big of a mess we have made of the problems of our life, the crisis of the enemy that comes, and is a threat to utterly destroy us, Oh God, we've tried it on our own and we failed. We've asked other people, Lord, but finally we're coming to you, as Hebrews says in the New Testament, boldly before your throne. And we are laying it down. God, do you see this? God, do you hear? And I'm laying it down once and for all. I'm not gonna pick it back up tonight or tomorrow or this week or next month. No, God, I laid it down and you're gonna pick it up. You're tired of fighting me for control of my problems. I lay it down so that you'd pick it up. Would you see and would you hear? And as soon as I lay it down, you hear, you see. And the answer of victory is coming. Whether it's in this moment or next week or next month, Lord, the answer of victory is coming. And our trust and our hope is just like Hezekiah. It's not in our army. It's not in our money. It's not in who we know that can help us know. God, our only hope is you. God, would you answer not for our glory, not to puff us up, not just to save our own skin, but God, would you answer for your glory so that our family would know, so that our marriage would know, so that our coworkers would know, so that our kids would know it's you alone that is God of heaven and earth. There are no counterfeits. There are no second great. You alone are the king of kings. You alone are the God that hears and answers. You alone are the answer. God, would you hear? Would you save us, not for our own glory, oh God, but for your glory, as a testimony that you are the living God. Our money can't buy us out of our problems. Our money can't buy us out of our health. Our money can't save us. Lord, it's you and it's you alone. Our career can't save us. It's you and you alone. Would you hear and would you save for your glory in our life? Father, we're not asking other people, we're coming to you directly. The Bible tells us to do that because of the blood of Jesus, the veil of the temple that was restricting your presence to one location was torn in two, and now your presence is everywhere through the power of the Holy Spirit in this place today. And we're going to walk out, we've walked in carrying the load, carrying the negative report, but we're going to walk out with a a jump in our step, we're going to walk out with victory. Because our God has seen, our God has heard, and our God is going to deliver where no one else could. As bad as we've messed it up and made it worse, our God, because of his grace and love for us, is going to give an answer. And it's an answer of victory. We lay it down and we let it go that you would pick it up. That you would answer and that you would save. Whether it's our marriage, whether it's our kids, whether it's our finances, our health, our church. Lord we lay it at your feet we give it to you as King Jehoshaphat said we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you and you said that if we prayed you would hear us and you would answer and through faith we believe the answer is coming we're not going to believe the negative crisis report of the enemy no matter what he did to other people or how bad it is we trust in the report of the Lord We thank you that you are not like other false gods. You are not a God that has a dollar amount stamped to you. You are not a God that has a a political party affiliated with you. You're not a God that lives in a White House. You're not a God that lives in a governor's mansion. You're not a God that, that, that is our boss at our place of employment. You are the King of the universe, King of kings, and Lord of lords. And because, and only because, of your grace and your mercy and love for us, You will hear, you will answer, and you will save. Father, we cannot, whether we spent the rest of this day today or all week, it is impossible for us to say thank you enough, to say, oh God, to praise you enough, to worship you enough for healing us, for saving us, for delivering us, for bringing our kids back to you, for rescuing us and providing our finances, for restoring our marriage, for breaking the chains of addiction, for saving us from hell for giving us a a healthy report that you've healed us. We could never thank you enough. Lord, our trust and our hope is not in the situation, not in the negative report of the enemy. It's in you alone. Father, we love you and we thank you. Lord, we've laid it down and you're going to pick it up. You're going to hear and we believe you're going to answer. We thank you. Now, Father, I thank you for every person that is here. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bless them. Lord, that they would have faith this week, that it would grow and be stretched. Father, that as they are going to be tempted, because the enemy will tempt them this week to pick that back up, whatever they wrote down and laid down at your feet, the enemy will tempt them. It may, the situation may even get worse. But Lord, as Jehoshaphat said, our eyes are on you, not the threats, not the situation, on you. So, Father, may they be resolved in their faith to be firm in you, to not waver, to not be afraid, to not be scared, but to remember every time the enemy tempts them, hey, devil, I laid it down at the feet of Jesus. He's got it. So if you've got an issue, you take it up with him because I'm no longer in control of it. He is. I gave it to him. So you just take it up with him. Let that be the prayer and the battle cry this week. We thank you, Father, for hearing us and answering. Holy Spirit, may you bless every person that is here. May you bless their families with greater unity and love for one another. Holy Spirit, that your presence would dwell like a sweet fragrance and aroma and peace in their homes, that they and their families would have a greater hunger for you and passion to reach the lost. May you bless them this week in the public marketplace, that they would be bold and stand up and stand out for you, the truth of your word, that they wouldn't compromise, that you give them favor in the eyes of their boss and their coworkers and in their communities. May you bless us as a church, Holy Spirit, to be a biblically healthy, fruit-producing church that changes lives in our community. Give us a greater hunger for your presence to be a church of prayer, a church of your presence. Give us a greater hunger to study and live by the truth of your word and not compromise, to be a fruit-producing people for your kingdom. Give us a passion to reach the lost and to change lives for your kingdom that our heart would burn and there would be an urgency within us to reach the lost as you have. Father, we love you and we thank you. We're nothing without you. And everything that was written down today, it's laid at the foot of the cross and we go out victorious. We go out with the peace of the Holy Spirit. We will not pick it back up. And when we're tempted to be afraid, when we're tempted to give in, no, it's in your hands. And we trust in you. You have heard these prayers. You have seen what is written down and you will answer with victory. And only you alone, God. We give all honor and glory to you alone. Not to Grace Community, not to Brian, but to you alone. We lift our hands in thanks. We lift our voice in praise. Father, to say thank you for answering. Thank you for seeing. You're not a God that is deaf and immune to our needs and problems. You're a God that is active. You're a God that sees. You're a God that hears. You're a God that saves. Thank you. We give all honor because it's only from you alone and because of you, to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you have done today. We're nothing without you. Thank you. We give this to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I love you.